Welcome to the New Day Church Message of the Week. It is our hope and prayer that you encounter the one who created you through hearing this message today. To contact us or find out more information about our events and who we are, go to newday-church.org. Thank you for listening. He, he never runs out of grace, even today. Like There's some of you in this room that need to know that. There's nothing that you've done that's too great for his grace. Like even in Scripture, it says, where our sin aboundeth, his grace aboundeth even more. So there's no shortage of his grace. That's the Christmas story. We're going to continue on in the series, Let Every Heart Prepare Him Room. You remember, a joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. Uh, last week, we looked a little bit at the, the story of the Grinch. How many of you are just a Grinch fans? I, I love the Grinch story. Today, we're going to be diving into It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you remember the story of George Bailey? Do you remember George Bailey? Do you remember how he was a community leader? And he had a chance to help so many. Like even he, he kind of raised up money and he was going to go on this great honeymoon with his new wife. And uh, in it, there was a crisis that happened. And instead of going on their honeymoon, they ended up using the money that they had to help all these different families. His story is just a, a, a powerful story. But you know, there's a challenge. We don't always see things correctly. There's times where we need correction. There's times where we need a rebuke. There's times where we need to get into right alignment. And he wasn't seeing things clearly. Do you remember he was given over, though this man had so much impact in the community, he was given over to the mindset, the thought that, that life would be better without him. Even to the point where he was about to commit suicide to jump off the bridge. Now a part of the beauty of the story is there's Clarence. You remember Clarence, the angel? Clarence, uh, he, they, uh, he was... A little bit of an odd angel, a little bit of a different angel, right? Even as the angels were talking in heaven, uh, they were like, who's up? Who's the next person in line to, to help? And they said, Clarence, and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> and what does it that Clarence, do you remember the movie? What, what does Clarence do as, as George Bailey is on the bridge about to jump in to kill himself? Clarence actually jumps in before him, knowing that uh, George would jump in to save him. Do you remember that? You remember how Clarence was, he knew what was going on in the heart and mind of George. That George was, his way of thinking was so off that he couldn't receive correction in conversation. He did it in action. So Clarence jumped in knowing that George would see this man that needed help, would jump in and save him. And he did. And in that process, almost like a Christmas carol. What would, what would life be if you never lived or if you died at a certain age? And then he shows him all of the sadness, all of the heartache, all of the kind of the doom and gloom of what that would look like. Because each, each life is precious, isn't it? Yeah. Like turn to your neighbor and say, your life is precious. <laughs> yeah, even you, Joel. Joel, you didn't do it. Joel, your life is precious. <laughs> yeah. There's something about that, of that, that understanding. So George, at the end of the story, he finally realizes that it really is a wonderful life. That even in the heartache, even in loss, even in brokenness, that there's still hope. And if you remember the, the ringing of the bell, it means that an angel gets its wings. At the end, he realized what he had had with his wife and with his children. And he was, it said in the story, he was the happiest man in all of that town that there was a correction that came along, that it, it, uh, it actually came in such a way. And I was thinking of this. There's all these different stories in Scripture. Maybe you can relate. Maybe there's times where the Lord's corrected you. Maybe you were walking a certain way and you needed his rebuke. You needed his, you were, you were going towards destruction and the Lord in his grace, he stopped you, he corrected you, and you were able to turn and choose life, right? You can, you can relate to that. That was George's story. That's a little bit of the story, like I think of in Luke 24, 13 to 35, that's the Emmaus Road. Do you remember the two disciples? 
This was after the reports of the women, those you mighty women of faith, the women that went to the tomb, they were going to go to minister to the body of Jesus, thinking that he'd, he'd, he's dead, right? They were going to have the stone rolled away and they were going to finish ministering to his, his body, preparing his body for, uh, for the grave. But when they got there, they saw the stone rolled away and the body was gone, that he had resurrected. And they went back to the disciples and they shared this testimony. And it's such a, wow, could you imagine that? Could you picture what that is? These, these two disciples here, they're in the room and they hear the testimony. And they're like, that's it? I can't handle this? We're going to go back to our old way of living. That's what they're doing. They're on this Emmaus road. They're leaving Jerusalem. They're leaving their faith. They're overwhelmed. They can't get their mind. Can you imagine that? Can you picture that? Maybe you've experienced that sometimes in your life. That's it. This is too much. This Christian life, it's impossible. The truth is it is impossible. It, it gets us to the point where we have to grow in our faith because we have to have a savior. We have to keep reaching out to him. And I love it. And when we ever we reach out to him, he's already reaching out to us. He's already receiving us. But that's the beauty of this. You remember these two that are on the Emmaus Road, and what does Jesus do? Does he like, well, good riddance, and kick them out? Nope. He actually meets with them on the road. They don't even realize it's him. Have you ever been so caught up in your sin that you don't even realize Jesus is ministering to you? They don't even realize that it's him. And he, um, slowly, he unpacks all of the law and the prophets as they're walking down the road. He doesn't try to stop them as they're walking out of the faith. What is it? They all of a sudden realize as he, they stop for supper and he breaks the bread and he blesses it. All of a sudden they realize it's Jesus. Jesus is with us. And what does he do? He just vanishes. <laughs> I, just, I marvel at that. He's just like, okay, they, they finally get it. Okay, I'm gone. What do they do? They get up. They don't even finish the meal. They get up and they run back to Jerusalem. They repent. They turn away from that way of thinking. And they run back to Jerusalem. They share the testimony. Uh, they share the testimony with all the other believers. I love that. The Emmaus Road. Or how about, I mean, how many of you can relate to Simon Peter? His rooftop rebuke. Here he is. He's on the rooftop. He, uh, he's had, man, ministry's going great. He's ministering to a lot of Jews. Jews are coming into this great faith of knowing Jesus as their Messiah. Powerful. He's on the roof of Simon the Tanner. Beautiful view. And, and what happens? God, uh, he, puts him, he puts Simon Peter in this trance. Peter sees like, almost like a, a perfect blanket just come down from heaven. And he sees all animals. Like all kinds of animals. Have you ever, like, has God ever done something? You're like, what in the world is going on? Did I have bad sushi yesterday? I mean, what, what is the deal? And that, you know, so he has this. And what is it that the father says? He says, take and eat. I go ahead and eat. You can eat all of this. And he's like, wait a minute. No, there's the, you, the, Le, the Levitical law. It says that we can eat some of these things, but we can't eat all of these things. You, in the Levitical law, you made it clear that we can't eat those things. And God said, nope, what I've made is all good. I want you to eat it all. And then it's kind of raised up. And it, well, that's kind of wild, isn't it? Yeah. Does it just end there? No, God does it two more times. A total of three times, he does the same thing. And it's the same, like, I can't eat that, Lord. You know, that's the Levitical law. I can only do this. I can't do that. The same conversation happens three times. Uh, it, that gives me hope. Because there's times where God's speaking to me, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. mm, -mm. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, and he, by his grace, will keep meeting with me. I'm like, Christopher, no, that's what. And I, I love his nudges now. Yeah. And now I look forward to it. Like even this last Wednesday, I was, my Chloe, our Chloe, passed her driver's exam test. Woohoo! So exciting. She almost, like, I don't know, she almost got a perfect score, wow. which that's just kind of a crazy thought. But um, it was a little bit of a nerve wracking day. Well, that was the closest we could get, to be honest. That was crazy. The way the state of Minnesota has that system running is weird. Uh, but uh, how many of you just love waiting in lines in the DMV? Is that, is that just, does that just bring you joy? You're like, yes, I get to wait in line in the DMV. And then 
go walk up and talk to him about stuff that I don't really want to talk about. We were waiting in line after she passed the test, and then we finally, we get to our, our person, and the Lord's prompting me. He's saying, hey, compliment her nails. And I'm like, I don't want to compliment her nails. I just want to get whatever we have to get and get going. And he said, no, compliment her nails. I'm like, well, okay, th- those are some, I'm amazed that you can do all of what you're doing with the nails that you have. Those are some really nice nails. And then she's like, oh, these? And she's like, oh, yeah, and they were, they were, they were long. Like, I was just like, it truly is amazing. You ladies that can do stuff like that, I don't know how you do that. Uh, and then, uh, well, it is. It really, it is a compliment. I, I know this. I wouldn't be able to do it. So there's that. So then I'm like, okay, fine, Lord. I did it. I did it. I, I complimented her nails. Those are nice nails. I'm done. I'm done. And he said, no, now I want you to start talking to her about your family because she's going to open up about her family. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I just, I want to get whatever we have to get and I want to get gone. And uh, and it just opened up and we ended up having this fun conversation and then the Lord had prompted me to let her know that the one thing that he loves, so I'd said one thing that God loves about you is how you're such a good mom. And he just was, he was telling me this this whole time. And then, you know, she just starts tearing up and I was kind of like, I don't know if that's good or bad when you have DMV people tearing up. Like, imagine that's good. Uh, but it just... Turnabout's fair play. There's just something about partnering with him, right? This rooftop rebuke, Peter ends up discovering that it's not about what he was to eat, but it's that the gospel is for everyone, Jews and Gentiles. He has this great encounter with the Lord, and he realizes that the gospel is for everyone, not just Jews. Before that, he was only ministering to the Jews and to the maybe some of the Gentiles that gave up on being a Gentile and were becoming Jews. He was realizing, nope, this is totally different. And then Cornelius is knocking, his, he sent his guys knocking at the door and he joins Cornelius and goes to Cornelius's home and everything changes to where the gospel, it, it moves in such a mighty way to the Jew and to the Gentile. That rooftop rebuke, or how about this? This is what we're really gonna be diving in today. The immaculate, Correction In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, we know that Mary, last week we talked about Mary, Mary had the immaculate conception, right? The Holy Spirit came about her. It hovered about her. Like in the Old Testament, he, he, he overshadowed her. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, she was able to conceive the immaculate conception. We know that the Pittsburgh Steelers... Franco Harris, he had the Immaculate Reception. But today we're going to be talking about the Immaculate Correction. Correction. And that was how Joseph was corrected by God. And I'm saying this today. There's some of you in the room that understand the Lord's correction. That understand when the Lord meets with you. And he's correcting. And it's not, he's not correcting you because you're horrible or you're lacking or you're missing out, or you're... That's not why he corrects. The Lord corrects because he loves. His desire is that we would be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So let's dive into this. Today's text, Matthew chapter 1. If you've got it, Matthew chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 18 through 25. Let's look at what we can glean from Joseph and his immaculate correction. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's a lot to take in. Could you imagine being betrothed to someone? So in our culture, that would mean that we would be engaged. And we would have maybe a year-long engagement. And then all of a sudden... Uh, that, uh, the, the, well, we'll just pick on Jason and Leah. We'll just say Leah, all of a sudden, Leah just uh, happens to show up with the cute little baby bump, and Jason's like, hey, wait a minute, hold on now. I, I understand the birds and the bees, and there's no reason that I was able, I'm not a part of that baby bump. And just picture what that must have been like for Mary and Leah, uh, 
the Lord, the Lord loves you. And I, I see the holiness in you like, like the holiness that we see in Mary. Mary, we don't worship Mary and we don't worship Leah, right? But I, uh, I just say that the, um, there is something about you, Leah, that you carry the righteousness of God in a really profound way. And we, we, thank, we thank the Lord for that. So that's what happened. Mary, Mary, she's uh, betrothed to Joseph. And then all of a sudden, you know, we know, as we read last week, she had, uh, uh, she was with Elizabeth for a few months. So, you know, he had no idea. You know, they weren't texting back then. Uh, there wasn't, she, she wasn't sending any, any profile pics or selfies. So he had no idea. You know, all of a sudden she gets back to Nazareth. He's probably really, hey, the gal that I'm betrothed to, she's coming back today. Woo! Can't wait. And then all of a sudden she shows up. Was she eating a lot of tacos? Because uh, there's, some, there's some things that are happening there. Falafel. Uh, falafel. That's a lot of falafel. She became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph was a righteous man. He really desired to live rightly with the Lord and rightly with others. And here, in his mind, he's like, I, according to the Levitical law, he could actually have her stoned to death. For, what, uh, for what's happened. According to the law of that culture, she could have been stoned to death and he would have been well within his, uh, his right, according to the law, which then sometimes speaks into if, if the law is so right that it's wrong, there's something to that. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her public to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, and I imagine that's prayerful consideration because he was a man of faith. How many of you have ever faced something so big that you're like, oh, I, I, Lord, I need your help? Yes. I am, could you imagine what his prayers must have been like? Have you ever tried to put yourself in his sandals to just, uh, just kind of think of what those prayers must have been like? But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. <laughs> you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Thank you, Jesus. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. Verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Isaiah 7, 14. A, pro a prophetic word that was given 700 years before Jesus came. When Joseph woke up, hmm, what did he do? Boy, that was a weird dream. I'm going to go ahead and, and go ahead with the divorce. No. Uh-uh. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And she gave him the name Jesus. Jesus. You know, there's something about a name, isn't there? Have you ever looked up the meaning of your name? Do you know what your name means? Like, my name is Christopher, and Christopher means being steadfast for Christ or to carry Christ over, like sharing Christ with others, which I think is funny. I don't carry Christ. Christ carries me, but it's the idea of sharing Christ with others. Or uh, Cheslin's name is unique in the sense that it's, it's not like a wildly known name, but I did a little digging, and I truly believe that her name, it has to do with a heavenly port. That Cheslin is like a heavenly port, that uh, there's something of heaven that moves through her uh, here on earth. Uh, Jesus, do you know what the name Jesus means? The Lord saves. The Lord saves. It doesn't just mean someone saves or you're safe. It means the Lord saves. 
So even in his name, it's declaring what it was that he was going to come and do. What he continues to do, right? How many of you are thankful for how he still saves? Like we've, we've, we've said yes to him, and we get to say yes to him all over again. There's areas in our life where, oh man, do I need a savior today? Lord, thank you for how you saved me more than 20 years ago, and I need a savior today just as much. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for how he's such a good savior. But did you catch all of what happened here? Joseph is moving one way. The Lord comes and meets with him in correction, and he moves an entirely different way. There's something to be admired about Joseph. He, he, he didn't get to have the, the angel come and say, well, the Holy Spirit's going to hover over you and the glory of God is going to shine around. He's like, nope. The angel of the Lord said, you're going to be a stepdad to the Messiah. Say what? Uh, nobody told me about that. Like, uh-uh. There's something about the faith that's in this man and there's things that we can learn from him. The first that I want to talk about is to ask for help. How many of you ask God for help? How many of you go to God right away when you know you need help? Uh, how many of you in all situations go to God right away when you need help? There's something about asking God for help. In it, there's humility. Because we're realizing, we're recognizing that we don't have all the answers. The challenge that we have as humans is we think that we're perfect sometimes. We can get caught up in arrogance and pride. And we think that we can do it ourselves. And that is absolute hogwash. You weren't created to be perfect. You were created to be perfected. God's doing this masterpiece in you. And that's really good. But none of you in this room are perfect, including me. And none of you are meant to be. There's something about asking God for help. About humbling yourself. So I personally, I don't have anything against doctors or medical science. But what I've learned to do is when I'm hurt or when I have loved ones around me that are hurt, I go to God first. That's the first thing that I do. And I'd say, Lord, what do you want to do? Do you want to, do you want to heal through prayer? Do you want to heal through faith? There's times where God chooses to heal through doctors. I'm totally okay with that. I love how God, he can do whatever he wants to do. I'm not him. I'm not going to tell him he can only do this or he can only do that. But I make him the first person that I go to to ask for help in those situations. Or when uh, there's... Financial crisis that happens. How many of you try to then sort it out in your mind? Well, if I, if, I, if I don't spend money here, if I don't spend money there, if I don't do this, if I cut that, if I, and then we just start getting into this mindset of scarcity, and then all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, I never asked him. I never asked for his help. And we're so caught up in scarcity that it's almost like we, we become handicapped. We've handicapped ourselves. Do you go to him right away? Or does eventually, do you have to have somebody come alongside you? Like, I grew up with asthma. I had asthma. I haven't had an asthma attack for more than 25 years. I had a friend that came up to me, and he had, I was having a, a little minor asthma attack. And I was like, hey, can you pray for me? Pray that this asthma attack would just diminish, that it would go away. He's like, well, yeah, I can pray for that, but can we just ask God that the asthma would go away? Amen. I'm like, I never even thought about that. <laughs> I didn't think I could ask that. I didn't know I could ask for his help in that. And God has, I haven't had an asthma attack for more than 25 years. And so I just marvel. But are there things in your life that, you're, that are still happening because you just haven't been able to humble yourself to ask him? Are you so proud, so arrogant, that you're going to do it all on your own? You have a savior that's known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's his name. His name is Jesus, which means the Lord saves. 
and I know there's areas in your life that are easier to, to ask for help. But I'm talking about those areas that you've given up on, that you're not supposed to give up on. You're supposed to ask him for help in those areas. It's time that we learn to ask for help. I love how, um, well, Marianne, you really, you, uh, thank you. I was thinking of the verse you had brought up, right? Uh, the first, I thought of the first part, you thought of the second part. That's in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? In scripture, the way that that writes it actually says, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Now, I'm going I'm, I'm to have a little confessional. If you're in recovery, this is going to be like a little bit of a step five. I'm not perfect. There, I feel better. I feel really good now. Thank you, guys. You remember last week we focused on the Grinch? Grinch is one of my favorites. I love the Grinch. How the Grinch stole Christmas. And we saw in that story how his heart grew three times in just that one encounter. There's something that shifted in him. The beauty of that, uh, we looked at Mary's story. And if you go to the next slide, it has my three main points. That we would prepare him room. That we would walk humbly with God. That we would prepare him room. That we would stay flexible. That we would prepare him room that we would trust him. John even came up and shared this powerful testimony at work and how he had his schedule all laid out. He had it plotted, it planned out. It was, uh, knowing John, it was just right. Uh, And then God said, oh, that's cute. Uh, I've got a different plan. I'm going to actually set it up where the walk-in customers are going to come to you. And you're going to care for them. You're going to share Jesus with them just in conversation because Jesus just shines so brightly through you, John. And the beauty of that was John was able to learn how to be flexible in that moment. And Are you anything like, oh, wasn't that a great Sunday? Well, great message. That was really cool. I would just move on. Uh, but God, in his grace, he has a way of, of letting, sometimes it's fun to be the teacher because you get to grow. And then sometimes you have to eat your words afterwards, too. <laughs> So this Wednesday, we went and did the outreach to, uh, to Praha Village. We had almost 60 people from New Day there. And it was so exciting. But as we're getting ready for it, I didn't do the best in planning. Uh, we had Chloe's drive test that day. So that's always fun, right? And, um, and so I'm with her. We drive up to Alexandria. We drive through the area around her tests of where we think that she's going to, we're practicing the parallel, uh, you know, the parking, the rear pulling in parking and, uh, uh, you know, all of that, you know, trying my best to be that voice of peace, that calmness as she's kind of, you know, the butterflies, you're getting all excited. You remember those? Do you remember your driver's exam? Do you remember how exciting that, your heart beating out of your chest or you get the sweat, the sweat chills or whatever, uh, and uh, so she passes. That was really good. We come back home. It's a lot, of, a lot on the road. We basically get here, and right off the bat, I hear that the plan that I had laid out for more than a month has, is being changed, and I don't even get to know it, uh, that uh, we're not just going to be singing to one group, but there's a possibility of singing to two groups. And I'm like, uh, don't, I, you know, like when you've got a plan, are you anything like me? Sometimes I can get kind of rigid. I'm like, no, this is the plan. The plan is this. This is what we're going to do. And I even, <laughs> Pastor Kelly had said, hey, you know, the, I think the plan shifted. I'm like, oh, nobody asked me why the plan was this. I do this. What was it that I was speaking on the, the Sunday before? Stay flexible. Stay flexible. Boy. Pastor, you got to listen to your own words sometimes, right? So then what happens? Well, we get there. We get, we get all the sound equipment set up. And uh, Helen, you are so good. Helen worked there uh, previously. She's now working at the school. And we're so proud of you, Helen. You're doing a great job. Thank you, Lord. But Helen is so good at loving on people. And in my mind, I'm just trying to keep things moving. I get this text message saying that uh, the people that were going to bring cupcakes, so afterwards we're going to come back and sugar the kids up. We're going to give them cupcakes and hot chocolate and then send them home with mom and dad. Woo! Uh, 
And uh, the, uh, the, uh, you just that fun community coming together. I get a text message, people that were going to come. I didn't understand what the text messages said. I just read, I'm not going to be there. And I'm like, we're not going to have enough cupcakes. Like anarchy. The kids are going to be jumping off the tables and throwing things. You know, they like their sugar. They do. You do too. Uh, I didn't read all the text message in it. One of the person had said, but I already dropped off cupcakes and you'll probably have more than enough. But I didn't finish the message. Oh, so that's going on in my head. I'm like, great, we don't have enough cupcakes. There's gonna be some kids that aren't gonna get cupcakes. And we're like, God hates me because I don't have a cupcake. Uh, and uh, you know, like, you know, do, you, do you ever go to those extremes in your head too? You're like, oh man, here we go. And then beautiful Helen is like trying to get me to connect with the people that are there to say hello. And I'm like, oh, hello. But I'm like really meaning like, I, I can't handle this right now. Uh, Cheslin looks at me, praise the Lord. And she, she says this look like, what is going on in, in your head right now? What are you doing? Because you aren't staying flexible at all right now. And, uh, and then what was cool like the last point last week was to trust God. I just kind of took a deep breath. I'm like, wait, I'm going to trust that God's going to make, he's going to, he's going to get us the cupcakes. It's going to work out. Our schedule, our schedule's totally been shifted because now we're going to two rooms, but he's going to make it work. So we're still going to have plenty of time back at church. I'm just going to trust him in this. I'm going to trust that, uh, that it's all going to work out and he's going to be glorified in it. I'm going to trust him that I'm going to learn how to pack up all the sound equipment and, and get all that going. And it worked out. But there's something about that. Uh, in that moment, I wasn't asking God for help. In that moment, I was trying to solve things on my own. It worked horribly. It, it, took, it took my wife basically like, what is wrong with you? That look to help me kind of get, get out of that and be like, oh, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I don't know if we're going to have enough cupcakes, but can you make it so there's enough cupcakes? I don't know if we're going to have enough time to get back to church, to get cupcakes and hot chocolate. He, but he did it. He totally did it. He's so good. So to ask God for help and trust that he'll, he'll show up. He always does. Another thing that we can learn from Joseph is to seek his will, to seek God's will. That's what Joseph was about. Joseph was a righteous man, which means that he would seek the will of God. I love Jesus, how he had taught us. And perhaps it was something that he could see in his own stepdad. That we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that all else will be added. Everything else that we need, he's going to take care of. But that we would seek his will. Even as Jesus, as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember that? He's on his knees. He's praying in such a serious way that there's tears of blood that are coming down. He knows what's about to happen, that all of his disciples are going to betray him, that he's even going to be betrayed with a kiss, that he is going to go through this mockery of a trial, and that he's going to eventually have to go down the Via Dolorosa, be crucified, and be laid in the tomb, that he's going to take on all of our sin, our sin nature, that he's going to take on death. He knew all of that. And he's in the garden. He's praying. He's like, Lord, if you can, Father, if you can take this cup from me, but not my will, Lord, your will be done. That we would have such a mindset that we would seek his will, that we would seek his will above our will. Right? Like I look at Mike and Maddie, and this is what's so fun. We got, we got our little baby, our little baby girl coming this week, and we're so excited. And you're going to be great parents. You're not going to be perfect parents. So don't try to be. But you're going to be great parents. By the time tomorrow. By, oh, wow. Well, I think there's things that are scheduled for Tuesday. <laughs> but but tomorrow, tomorrow would be great too. But uh, the beauty of this is, as you're stepping into this, it's not going to be about what you... So the limit on your kiddo's life isn't what you know or don't know. It's... It's creating that space where you would seek his will. That when, when life happens, when heartache happens, when challenge happens, 
that you would seek God's will, that you'd seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, that they would see that in you, that there's something about that. We just pray a blessing over them, right? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this couple. We love Michael. We love Maddie. We see your goodness about them. We pray a blessing over this baby, little girl. We can't wait to see you. And we thank you, Lord, for the prophetic or for the prophecies that you have, the way that you're speaking. This is a, she is going to be a breath of fresh air. There's something powerful. But we pray, Lord, we thank you for how you're going to be with Maddie. You're going to give her the strength. It's not, um, it's not going to be on her own strength, Lord. It's through you. That she can do all things through Christ who gives her strength. We, like, we thank you, Lord. We bless Maddie and Michael and baby in Jesus' name. Amen. To seek his will, though, to seek his will, to seek his will, man, that's a process, isn't it? You have to know him. You have to know him to be able to seek his will. If he's so distant, if this distant deity, you don't know him, then you're not going to want to know what he wants to do in your life. But once you know, how do we know what love is? Because of how he loves us. How, how do we learn to become faithful? Because he's so faithful to us. How, there's something about learning how to seek him, to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, to make time in the day to pray, to like a situation pops. I still love the story Lucas had shared. He uh, works uh, with computers, with um, uh, just different programming. And there was one code that nobody could figure out. And they came to him and Lucas, he just prayed. He's like, Lord, I need your help. I can't figure this out. And God just gives him like this download of what the code is. He types it in, and it's the code that works. And they're all just kind of in awe. So like to seek him everywhere, not just when you're at church or not just when you're praying for a loved one, but in your workplace, to seek him. He loves you. He loves your workplace. He, He loves that grouchy guy down the road. He loves that grouchy person just a cubicle away, a classroom away. Whatever that might be, he, he's so for them. So seek his will, and he'll show in such a powerful way. The last thing we can learn from Joseph is to repent. Joseph repented. How do we know that he repented? We see it in his actions. There's times where we repent with our words, and we need to repent with our words, absolutely. But repentance, true repentance, is seen through our actions. If we say, uh, I'm no longer going to steal candy bars, and then all of a sudden we still keep stealing candy bars, it doesn't matter what our words, our actions are saying, we haven't had a changed life. What is it that we see in Joseph? Joseph was going to go the way of ending that relationship with Mary. And he meets with God, God corrects him, and he chooses a totally different path. He receives Mary. He takes her in. They don't have... Uh, intimacy until after Jesus is born. And uh, he raises Jesus as if it's his, his own son. The, the power of what we see in all of this is repentance. Joseph repented. He tried his best. He was a man of righteousness, right? And uh, to the best that he could understand, the way that he needed to go was to end the relationship with Mary. But God met with them. In his grace, right? It's his grace that God meets with us. And he met with him in grace and he was able to show Joseph what was going on and Joseph was corrected by the Lord. And then he chose to follow what the Lord was telling him to do. In Matthew 3, 8, Jesus had said that we're to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. That when people look at our lives, that they would see a repentant lifestyle. That, oh, so I, let me say it this way. Uh, personally, I was one, I, I would swear a lot as a kid. I was a prodigal. I just eventually got to the spot where I didn't care and I didn't see the importance of having wholesome talk. So I would swear a lot and I would use God's name in vain a ton. And then I felt bad about swearing because I realized when I was in college that most of my professors didn't swear. So I thought, well, I want to be like them someday, so I should probably stop swearing. But I still would use God's name in vain because everyone else seemed to do that. It was a child that had told me that I was swearing when I was using God's name in vain. 
Could you imagine that being corrected by a child? The child corrected me. When I was the prodigal, the child had said, you're swearing. We wish you would stop swearing. And I'm like, whoa, wow. And I repented. And that was more than 26 years ago. And to the best that I have lived my life, I've never used his name as a swear word ever since. You can see a change. And I'm not saying that to toot my horn. Like I think of, there's countless testimonies and stories. Hey, Jean's in the room, guys. She's right back there. Let's give her a hand. Yes! Jean, I was bragging about you earlier. That's why you weren't here. (laughs) Um, I think of, there's so many heroes in this room, especially when it comes to recovery. I can't tell you how proud I am of, there's so many in this room, they were going a certain way. God in his grace, he showed up and they're like, I'm no longer gonna choose that way because I realize that way is destruction. And they, okay, I'm gonna choose this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go this way. And in that way, they've had life. There's something about repentance. So no one in this room is perfect. So there's an opportunity for everyone in this room to repent. There's opportunity for everyone in this room to say or do something that has hurt someone or hurt God or hurt yourself that was done in a sinful way, not in a way that was honoring God or honoring yourself or honoring that person. Are you willing to go to that place of repentance? So I believe the Lord is meeting with you right now. You're not perfect. The beauty of this is you're not, you don't have to be. But you need to invite him in. You need to invite him in. So that mindset that you had towards that person, that so-and-so, who, that did so-and-so, that keeps doing so-and-so. It's time to Repent. It's time to live a life that's changed. To invite the Lord into that. So the beauty of repentance is it's not just turning away from something. The beauty of repentance is actually turning to Jesus. And you're inviting Jesus into that situation. If it was all about our own will, then it's never going to work. Because none of you have a strong enough will to do that. You weren't designed to. Like a washing machine isn't designed to be a race car. You're not designed to do it on your own will. But if you turn to Jesus and invite him into that situation, repenting of your hard heart, repenting of the way that you had sinned in that, the way that you fell short, there's something that, he, that makes way for him to do awesome and powerful things. To make what seemed totally impossible become possible. I'd like to invite Pastor Adam up as we close to consider what it is. This is the time of repentance. A very simple prayer that I've learned is, uh, well, it's scripture. If you want to turn with me as we close today to Psalm uh, 51. It's David's Psalm of Repentance. David, in Psalm 51, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know, that my, transgre- for I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, O you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. You are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. So cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. 
and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Oh, Father, I thank you for how you're meeting with us today. It was your grace. That's why you sent the angel to speak to Joseph in his dream. Joseph was going the wrong way. Even though he was trying to do all the right things, to the best that he understood you and the best that he understood what it was to live rightly with you, he was going the wrong way. And you came and you brought correction. And in that correction, Lord, you made a way for Joseph to truly live the best life that he ever could. And that's your desire today. That's what you yearn for today, that that this is a time that you would come and meet with us. There's a reason why you're showing yourself in such a way where we can have repentance. We can repent of the things. There's a things that we have chosen to partner with that aren't of you, that aren't the path that you have for us, that aren't the steps that you've lined up for us. And we've been trying to do it. We think that we're doing the right thing. But Lord, we welcome you. We ask for your help. Lord, we need your help. We thank you for how you're so steadfast that you show yourself as we wait upon you. We thank you, Lord. We seek first your kingdom. In this area, in these areas, Lord, we welcome your kingdom. Let your will be done in our life, in these relationships, in our families, that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, let your will be done. Even those that maybe have been distant from you, because they thought that perhaps you don't want to be with them because of the decisions, the choices that they were making. Lord, I thank you for how you want to know us intimately, how you love us. Jesus, yes, you're our Savior, you're our Lord, but you're also our friend, that you declare that we are a friend of God. As a friend, would you come and speak to us? The areas, uh, we need help that we can repent of, the things that we've been partnering with that just aren't right. Oh Lord, forgive us. Blot out our transgression. According to your great mercy, your great grace, would you cleanse us with that hyssop that you would make us whiter than snow? Would you create in us a clean heart, oh God? And please don't remove that, that, that Holy Spirit from us, but increase the Holy Spirit. Baptize us a fresh Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you like never before, that you are that convincer and convictor. You're that encourager, that comforter, that you are the spirit of truth. You guide us in a greater truth. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come and kindle our hearts in the fire of your love? Not that we would be like robots, but that we, oh, that we would live rightly with God, that we would live rightly with ourselves, that we would live rightly with others, that we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that all else will be added. Oh, may this be a Christmas like never before. That Christmas, that very first Christmas was legendary. We're still talking about it today, more than 2,000 years later. Lord, we declare that this is going to be like that kind of Christmas, that you're going to show yourself in just awesome and powerful ways, and that this is going to be the Christmas that we'll be talking about in years to come. Oh, Lord, how you moved Christmas 2023. Oh, that's what we pray. We pray that for ourselves for our loved ones, for our communities, for our state, for our nation. Oh Lord, may this be a Christmas like never before that hearts would be drawn to you. As the angels have said, great tidings of great joy for all of mankind, that the whole world would know the great tidings, the great joy that's found in you, Jesus. Oh, that this would be a time where a whole nation would be revived in you. 
that would come alive in you. May it start here in us that we would, that Lord, there's things, there's things that we've been holding on to that we need to let go of and let you into. There's things that we need to turn to you. So in that place of intimacy, we welcome you, Lord. Come, come, come and meet with us. And where there has been mourning, Lord, we welcome you to bring that oil of gladness, that oil of joy. Where there's been ashes, oh Lord, we welcome you. In scripture, it says that we have a crown, that you give us beauty for ashes. That there, where there has been such sorrow and sadness, Lord, that you could, you could bring us this garment of praise. Yeah. We thank you, Jesus. You came so many years ago, and you're still meeting with us today. Emmanuel, God with us. You are with us. You are for us. You're wanting to minister to us. And you want to minister through us. God with us. May this be a Christmas like never before. Oh, forgive us, Lord. And fill us, Holy Spirit. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for how you love us. We thank you for how you bless us. That your heart is for us. Oh, we love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to do this as we, oh, yeah, Joe. I see Joe waving his hands. I, the Lord had hit him. Or is this about? Uh, I just want to honor somebody today, if that's all right. Um, a good friend of mine is celebrating 35 years clean and sober. Whoa! Come on! I want to present him with a 35-year medallion and a ninja tag. So, Randy, Nelson, could you please stand up? So, Randy, I just want to say that um, I'm honored to give this to you, that you are a role model for me. Uh, Randy, by the way, is my sponsor. So, um, yeah, and um, I look up to you and I congratulate you for the 35 years. And I was wondering if it's okay if we could all pray for Randy. Let's Would do it. Be? Why don't you lead that, Joe? You want me to lead that? Yeah. You're handing me the mic? Okay. Why don't you lead that? And he hands me the mic. <laughs> oh, I thought you said lead that. <laughs> Oh, Lord, we thank you for this testimony. Randy was going a certain direction. I even remember, Randy, you had said that you, <laughs> you were so broken that you actually wanted your life to be over. <laughs> Randy was moving a certain direction, and you radically changed his life, Lord. We thank you, Lord. 35 years, that's incredible. Lord, there's times where Randy shares stories of what it was like before the 35 years, and I know he's not a liar, so I know they're true, but I look at him and I just, I don't see it. As I see this changed life, that one that surrendered to you, uh, the one that where he, he confesses the things in his life, the one that he makes amends with people, the one that's had these spiritual awakenings uh, that you take him from glory to glory. We welcome you, do it again, Lord. A new spiritual awakening for this new season for you. We bless you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <clears throat> well, so go ahead. You can go ahead and sit down. Uh, hold on. <laughs> Not this again. I've known you for... 20 some years um, that's when I was sober when I first came in you showed me how to live life sober um, just keep coming back um, yeah it's, it's great one day at a time so one thing thank you one thing that I love at, at uh, 
at these different recovery meetings, they ask one question is, how'd you do it? So, Randy, we want to hear how you did it. And you have, you have some time, because I didn't take my whole time. So there's a... Sweet. You got about an hour and a half? Yeah, let's go. Okay. <laughs> I don't have an hour and a half. I, don't, I can't say that much. But as you're, as you're preaching, I remember the day that I, I woke up. It was a Sunday morning. And I remember the day I repented. And it's not that I repented from the drinking. I repented towards sobriety and the, and the Lord. Um, I, didn't know, I didn't know the route I was going to go at the time. Yeah. But I know God was in it because he brought people into my life before I knew that's what I needed. Wow. And uh, yeah, that, that morning I woke up. And, if it, you know, I honestly believe that everybody here could... Take the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and apply it to their life, whether you're, whether you're no, a normal person or not. I mean, there's just so much, there's just so much, right, right. Um, there's just so see, much. I don't see a normal person in here. Right. But there's so much in it. And the first three steps are, I admitted I was powerless. I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And I turned my will and my life over to the care of that power as I understood them. At the time, the power that I understood was a treatment facility. So I woke up that morning. I realized that I couldn't keep going the way I was going. Um, I was going to go have another evaluation done. Um, so I was relying on that evaluator to, to you know, um, mm -hmm. To show me the way, yeah. and I was willing. And this time, I said, "I'm going to do whatever they tell me." You know, because I'd been to evaluations before, and they always tell me the same thing. Mm -hmm. But this time, I was willing to say, "Do I'm going to do the same thing?" And and since I went, I went like a week, and somehow beer was presented in front of me, and I drank it. And the way I drank it, I just thought to myself, "This is stupid." Mm. You know, this is crazy. And I, I put that down, and I haven't had a desire to drink since then. Um, and I, I really believe, you know, as I prayed, prayed not to survive, not to live, that God killed the part that I hated, and that's the attic, you know, you know, and I don't know, I, I, I thank you, I thank churches I've come before, I really thank the, um, you know, the, the Alcoholics Anonymous and N.A., uh, Al-Anon, you know, all these groups. It's a group of people getting together, sharing their testimony. And one thing that has really struck me in the last couple of years is, you know, when, when Jesus created, or when God created man, he breathed life into Adam. Mm. When, uh, when Jesus left, he, he breathed the Holy Spirit, spoke the Holy Spirit over the, over the disciples. The when, when was it Elijah? Uh, he told him, Prophesy, prophesy over, prophesy over the bones. And so he breathed, he, he prophesied. So when I sit in an AA meeting, when I sit in my, our Bible study here on Saturday mornings, when I, when I sit in the Al-Anon meeting, people are breathing life into my situation by the words that they speak. Those words are, are speaking life, and that's the breath of God. So, and I thank you. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. Uh, wanted to give you this opportunity. My friend Lenny, Lenny, wave your hand. There's Lenny Radnick. He's uh, got his third and final uh, adult discipleship class for this year. Uh, it's today. It'll be in the boardroom. It'll be starting uh, around 11 o'clock. Uh, so please, if you're able to, it's awesome. I've been loving it. Uh, it's really diving into belonging and, he, and being able to hear. You didn't have to be at the previous two to be able to be blessed by today. Uh, so come if you have the time to. I know it's like last week we had, I think there was 14 or 15 of us. It was just a really great time and we'd welcome uh, if you want to come. And uh, there's something about learning how to belong when Jesus had said that we're to do greater things. He said you're to do the same things I've done and even greater. He wasn't lying about that. Uh, he was, he actually meant what he had said, but a big part of that, unlocking that is learning how we belong in the kingdom of God, how we belong in the family of God. Uh, there's uh, some really good things. So if you're able to come, please do that. The one thing that I believe that you have today is an opportunity. If you would choose to do this, you don't have to do this. 
But as I share it, if you feel the nudge to come forward, then, I, then today's the day. I'd like to pray for you and just pray a simple anointing over you. In scripture, I, what the, there it says that God will take our mourning and turn it. He'll give us this oil of joy, this oil of gladness. I really felt like the Lord is saying today that you can come to him and he, he has joy for you this Christmas like never before. So if you would like to kind of humble yourself, come forward. I want to just simply anoint you with an anointing of joy. And maybe as you're coming forward, that's even a, a way of living out the fact that you're, you're repenting. You're actually drawing to him. You're welcoming him, you're welcoming him into that very thing. If you wouldn't mind, just receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That you, the sons and daughters of God, that you'd be all that you're meant to be so that you can do all that you're meant to do. That you do that with his peace, with his abundance, with his favor. Uh, we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Be blessed and be a blessing, right? pray that you received encouragement and impartation as you heard this word today. Connect with us on Facebook and at newday-church.org. Thanks again for listening to this message.